Dear Father, we thank you, Lord, that we, when we are still, your still small voice comes to us. When we are powerless, we see you move. When we are helpless, the helper strolls around. When we are down, you pick us up. And when we are high, you kindly remind us of our place. Today, once again, this time is about you. There's many of us here. There's many of our needs here. There's many of our ideas. But you are Almighty God. And we come here because we are your children. And we look at the plans that you have for our life. We look for the calling that you have upon our life. We look for everything that you do in our life. And we ask, Lord, if we have been faithful. We look deeper and we ask, Lord, where our heart is at. Have we loved you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength? Have we loved our neighbor as ourselves? And we ask for forgiveness. And we thank you for the assurance of forgiveness that we have in Jesus Christ. For we speak to you today, not out of pride and arrogance, but because we have been covered by his blood and because of his sacrifice, the love that approached us from your heart, Father, to send your one and only son, Jesus, to die for us. We also, Lord, want to give a portion of that which you have blessed us with as an act of worship and thanksgiving towards you for the support and expansion of your ministry here on earth. Lord, we pray for quite a few people who are sick in our church and ill and recovering and struggling for people who have had surgeries, people who are traveling. May your comforter visit them. May your healer be with them. May the joy of your presence warm their souls as we speak. And Lord, we pray for those who can be here. May the conviction of your spirit be with them, that we miss them and that you like them to assemble with us. We pray those for our bedridden, when a convalescent home and they're watching online, Lord, that they are part of us and part of your body. May you bless them where they are. We continue to pray for this worship service, Lord. That we would truly come here to listen to your voice. And as we read your word, Lord, may each one of us hear your voice clearly today. 
praise you and pray to you in the name of Jesus for your glory alone. Amen. If you're new with us, uh, please go in the back. We have a Bible reading plan. Start where we are. We try to emphasize family reading of the Bible and prayer together. Uh, our Sunday school and our sermons and our fellowship Wednesdays will follow that Bible uh, reading plan. And that's the material that we will go over. Right now, we have reached the book of First Kings. And let's go to the next slide. And if you could please stand to read the first seven verses with us. Um, we will try to read it out loud in unison, if you are able. Now Elijah the Tishbite of Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. And the word of the Lord came to him. Depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and lived by the brook Cherith, that is east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. And after a while, the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. You may be seated. <clears throat> so just to bring a little bit of background, uh, we have gone through the best time in Israel. And to set up the scene, David was finally a king after God's own heart. And he dealt with most of the enemies. He unified the land and he left Solomon, who was a very wise man, to lead the nation. It was during Solomon's time that Israel had peace, like no other time. And with peace came prosperity. And because peace and prosperity were there, and who doesn't like peace and prosperity? We, uh, we uh, idolize them today. This came as an aftermath. Uh, it, it tells us that silver was so insignificant that, you know, it, it had no value. Now, one of the greatest empires was Egypt. So Solomon used that which people in Israel didn't even care about to buy mighty chariots. It also shows you the level, the discrepancy between the societal level in Israel and one of the greatest empires present in that area, which was Egypt at that time. This story takes place now about 58 years after Solomon had passed. What happened after Solomon had passed? The kingdom was torn into. You had a king who did not follow the Lord and was full of himself. And you had another king who was capable, but did not follow the ways of the Lord in the northern kingdom. Then a series of revolutions and turmoil, and each king went from bad to worse. And we come to this story where the land was full of money, full of wisdom, full of education, uh, privileged people who had an abundance of plenty. 
but turmoil is beginning to destroy the country from within. It is during this time that we see again a separation between the king and the prophet. And it is during this time that the Lord is raising up a prophet called Elijah. Elijah in Gilead, it says, Elijah the Tishbite, now, I'm sorry, I cannot find what that means. It says, I can tell you it's from Gilead. I don't know where Tishbe per se is. There's a lot of confusion and argument about that. Some people say that he is called a Tishbite because he may not necessarily be Jewish, but may be a proselyte. But I don't like to go with speculation. So all I want to tell you is that he knew God's word very well, that he had a relationship with the Lord, and the Lord placed upon him the manifestation of the gift of prophecy. And... On the flip side, this king, Ahab, who the previous chapter, chapter 16, he tells us not only did he walk in the bad ways of Jeroboam, but he also did what? He married a foreign wife who brought in the worship of Baal. Now, before we say something, let's not be so critical of them back then. Let's be honest and look at us today. It is during this time that guess what happened? Sections of society. You had the elite You had people who thought they were smart. You had the rich. You had people who had their own ideas for power. I think I need to buy new batteries. I'm changing them too often now. Divisions within Israel were happening which are very important for us because those divisions are very present when our Lord Jesus comes to be. And why do you think that's the case? What did the Jews do during the Passover meal? What was one of their customs when it came to how they were supposed to eat? The Passover. One chair had to be empty. And the door had to be opened. And they had to have the sandals on and to be ready to go on the journey. Why? Why did they have to have those uh, instilled there? Who's supposed to come in that chair? The prophet who will reign and speak about the coming of the Messiah. So that, that seat was also for Elijah. And you wonder, how come Jesus shows up 
And they don't know it if they've been waiting every week with, a, with an open door and an open seat. And Elijah shows up through whom? Through John the Baptist and, and says this and they're still clueless. But interestingly enough, the conditions of Israel as they were present there, the sinful conditions, you will see them very much paralleled as John the Baptist is speaking about Christ and what Christ meets. Baal is the worship of the thunder god, or you may call him Zeus, or if you're from the Vikings, what do you call him? Thor. See, those who watch movies, they know that. Thor. They make him good looking too. So people like Thor. But in a society that was used to plenty and having money, do you think you'll be very attractive to bring Thor? Hey, pray for the thunder god to reign and to bring about crops so you'll be even more wealthy than how you are. Do you think it was easy or hard to introduce the worship of Baal into Israel? Pretty easy. We have done it here in the States. We even call it the prosperity gospel. We're no different. There's nothing new under the sun. Yeah, maybe they didn't dress how we dressed. But there's nothing new under the sun. This is the situation. And the king has moved away. The Lord is beginning to raise again. The prophet. So here comes Elijah. And he shows up in front of the king with his queen. Let's go to the next slide. <coughs> Are we missing verses 1? And Just missing verse 1. Go to verse 1. He comes and he says, As the Lord, the God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain this year except by my word. It takes God to do that in front of the king what are you telling the king you brought in prosperity and the worship of the which god how can the thunder god show himself when there's no rain do you think this was done by accident they're worshiping the thunder god to bring them prosperity and, and here comes this guy who May not even be a Jew, may not be in the plethora of society out of a strange place. Who from the judges was there, just to give you an idea about this region? Which judge came out of Gilead? Okay, I'm going to ask the Sunday school teachers first. No. Which one kind of has a very shaky background? Jephthah, who was a thug, and he said, whatever comes out, I'm going to sacrifice it to the Lord. <coughs> Remember a guy named Jephthah? 
Yeah, he's the one. It's from here that this guy Elijah comes out. What is the name of Elijah? Yahweh is God or my Lord or Lord. And here they come. He comes to Ahab who's a sinner big time, an idolater. And his wife, if there's two names, don't name your kids. (laughs) I would say number one, Jezebel or Isabel. It literally is not Jezebel, it's Isabel. We just, because of German, we added the wrong J. It's not Jehovah, it's Yehovah. We just do that and we mispronounce it. That's not correct. So it's Isabel. If there's a boy's name I would name, I would name him Judas. If I'm going to tell you two names at the top of my list, then take it with a grain of salt. Don't name your kids Jezebel or Isabel or Judah or Judah. Or Judah. Those names, please... Uh, I mean, you can do it, but I would recommend that you don't put those names to your kids. You know, this is not something that you should look forward to. But Isabel means dunghill. Now, who would name his daughter dunghill? Literally. I mean, you're laughing, but, you know, dunghill, because of where she comes. If you take it into Hebrew, it actually has the name of God in it, El. Isabel, El is the singular form of Elohim. A pollution of false worship entered. You say, well, I understand Judas, but why do you make Jezebel or Isabel so bad? Isabel continues to be at work very hard today. And towards the end of the day, it will be the partner of whom? The dragon. So you have to realize that Jezebel, Isabel, unleashed a system of evil. They will prove the strongest stronghold and unification with Satan towards the kingdom of light in the end days. So now you should say, don't name your daughter Isabel, please, or Jezebel, if that's the case. So what happens to Elijah? He knows that his days are numbered. He went in front of the king. He proclaimed this. Do you think his wife liked it? Direct offense to that. So the Lord says, Hey, they live in plenty. They have a lot. They're worshiping prosperity. How about you who are my servant? Go and live alone now. Would you like to be a prophet? Do you know the beauty of being a prophet is that nobody really likes you? Why? When you're the voice of God, you will bother people by nature. You will not be liked. 
I always do this to people. I give them something to read and I turn off the lights and they don't like, hey, I can't read. But do something else. Give them a paper to read and bring here about 2,000 volts and put it right towards their face and their paper and they're bothered by that light. It's the same idea. The Word of God is too intense of a light for us. We may even acknowledge that light, but you have to realize even when you acknowledge and it makes you change, it bothers you. If you have a prophetic anointing in your ministry, you're in tough life because people won't like you. Not only it happens that they won't like you, there's not that many. So you have to live by yourself. What happens to him? Now the word of the Lord comes to him. Depart from here and turn eastward. It says the word of the Lord came to him. What happened with, with, with Elijah proclaiming that? Wasn't that the word of the Lord? Well, he knew the word of God when he says, if they do what? If they turn from me, I will shut up the heavens. He knew, Elijah knew the word of God. He proclaimed it. Is he exercising also the authority that God gave him as a prophet in front of the king? It is not your diploma on the wall. It is not your studies. It is the anointing of the spirit that God puts on you. That ultimately within the kingdom has authority. So this is what he's basically saying. You, the king, you're worshiping to have a lot of rain, a lot of crops, to make a lot of money. You're doing that? Here, I got to tell you, with all your worship, with all your entourage, with all your wants and all your power, I'm telling you, it is by my, and how does he say? By my, by my word. It almost seems arrogant. It almost seems arrogant. If you're a king, you'd be like, is this guy challenging me? We have an entire structure of worship here. We have put millions of dollars at work. We want what's good for the nation. Mm. Well, too bad. It is going to come by my word. Number one lesson. Worship that has dealings with finances or prosperity is the quickest way to be false towards idolatry. Any worship that is done for the sake of prosperity, success, or something that is helpful towards self you and I are already in the wrong. It also shows us that a religious system is not what is the primary place. God's design is still to rule through His voice first. 
entities of Baal were even incorporated, as we will see, into the central worship of the temple. Poles were erected, resurrected, images were brought in. Those will be depicted later on. But this is something that happens. This is something that you and I, when we're doing well and we're riding well, we're in danger of idolatry and false worship crippling in. If you're doing well or if you've done well, make sure that you are humbling yourself in prayer because you are doing well, but there's greater danger for you. And pastor, you say, are you trying to say that you don't want me to be successful? That's not what I'm trying to say. We're praying that the Lord will bless us. What I'm trying to say is make sure that that's truly a blessing. Do you know what happens when you're blessed? A blessings flow. When a blessing comes to you and it no longer flows, you're in danger. I'm not going to take time to talk about it here. Come to my office if that's the case. And I'll show you and explain to you what it means for the living water and the blessing of God to flow through you as a vessel. Because, you know, even the best water, if you keep it too much in a pot, would you drink it after three weeks? But that was the best water you've ever had. Would you still drink it after three weeks? You look at it, and there's a film of hair and dust on top of it, and it's kind of spoiled. But guess what? I still have it. I still have it. Depart from here and turn eastward and hide. Look what the Lord tells him. Hide. Well, how nice it is to be a prophet. Hide from people. People can't help you. They're not trustworthy. I can't even trust them to bring you your food. You shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. Who are feeding him? Birds that are unclean. This is the voice of God, a holy man. And here comes an unclean animal that drops bread and meat to him twice a day. God is a God of miracles. But he is also a God who partners for us and God works in a natural way. Because guess what he's expecting? He's not going to drop Diet Coke from the, or Diet Dr. Pepper from heaven. For him to, you know, kind of, you know, doctor, die, Dr. Pepper in my hand. Here, here falls. He says he has to get himself up and go get water from the brook. There's a beautiful duality that God says, I both want to partner through you, but you also have to understand that there's a side to your life that is miraculous by your sustenance. This is also very true. You may be doing well right now, but I guarantee you that each one of our flesh is getting closer to the time where it's going to start decomposing. And this brook, in the natural realm, it is doing what? It is shrinking. It's beginning to dry up. 
interestingly enough, the meat and the bread don't stop, doesn't stop, but the brook, the human natural arena begins to shrunk up. It's a beautiful duality. God may send you somewhere and you'll be in the miraculous. But God may bring someone in your life, may send you somewhere. May, you may deal with health issues. We may deal with other things that is reminding you that this is like a brook that is drying up. I wonder if God sent this woman in my life. The brook is drying up. I wonder if God sent this man in my life. Uh, well, you know, I, I, here's my job. Here's uh, my issue at work. Here's the, what the doctor said. There's a duality in your life. There's a miraculous provision. And there's a brook that is drying up. What does God want Elijah to do? Please note, this is the man of God and the other ones are living lavishly in the castle. But now there's a lot of people who are starving in Israel. But Elijah became a homeless. The man of God. When you see the brook getting smaller and dirtier, what is our first reaction? To do what? To complain, to say, oh, it's time for me to move. Why did God have Elijah stay there until the brook was depleted? Elijah didn't complain and he didn't move to another water source. I don't know if you've been hungry before. It's not a good situation. But I tell you, it's much worse to be thirsty and not to have water. At least for me personally, I can resist being hungry a lot longer than I can resist if I'm thirsty. Sometimes you need to see the dry parched land in order to receive the miracle. God will have to test your natural side into obedience until you receive a miracle. Why do you say that? Why is this a teaching? What happens to, to Elijah after this when the brook dries? He says, go over there, not in Israel, to a widow So you see the full provision of the Lord. What happens when he goes to the widow? She's not Israelite. He shows up there. He says, Do you, uh, can you give me some water? By the way, not just some water. I also want some bread. She says, well, man of God, I only have a little flour, no oil. And I, I was just gathering some sticks for me to bake this, eat it with my son, and die. He says, no, 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 no. Bring that to me first. And then you can have some. 
Surely God could not do that, right, to a starving mother and, 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 daughter, uh, and son. Surely Elijah cannot be so mean as to say that. He can't be the man of God to say, no, go cook and bring it to me. Put yourself if you're a mom. Your son's dying, but you have the man of God. She has to go with her feelings or she has to trust God. She ends up trusting God. And now both the oil and the flower don't stop running. It was necessary for Elijah to see the brook dry in order to move and experience a miracle. Our Lord Jesus says, there were many widows in Jerusalem, but God sent Elijah to a widow that wasn't even an Israelite. Let's get back to the condition of Israel. What does this tell you about Israel? False worship, corrupting the entire nation. It is so beautiful. Elijah should not be eating ravens because they're unclean. Should not be moving into uh, into touching anything that uh, a, a non-Jewish lady. How do we know that? When Jesus is being left alone at the well, says, oh no, this is a dirty town. We'll go grab, you sit here and rest because you look tired. We'll go grab food and resources for you. And here comes the Samaritan woman. He says, can you pull some water for me to drink? Wow, how can you, it wasn't about the water. How can you in Israel ask me? How can you, uh, God, ask me to go to this filthy woman and... When we begin to see signs of God working outside the church, more so than in the church, you know, idolatry has set in. People ask you, well, how come I go and I see more miracles on the mission field or other places? And with us, the people of God, that is an afterthought sometimes. And unfortunately, this has happened to me a few times. Even more so. How come you see certain things happening and the Lord moving in certain churches and not in others? And sometimes the Lord makes fun of you because when you thought you preached really well, nothing happens. And when you thought you were horrible, God moves and you're like, wow. And the only difference is the audience. God is the same, and also the difference is your delivery, because sometimes it can be pretty bad. And sometimes the Lord will do that on purpose to show you, you you're just a vessel. There's nothing about you that is, is at work here. This is all me.
the dry brook is very important for your life. What is your dry brook today? What is your miraculous provision and what is your dry brook? A dry brook that begins to shrink. They, where you begin to doubt, uh, did, did God really send me here? If you're a pastor watching, I know we have a couple of pastors watching. You may be serving in a dying church. A church that's just like the brook, shrinking. And it's not easy for pastors to see it completely die. But it was important for Elijah to see it completely die so he can experience the full miracle that God was preparing as we saw earlier. Why did Elijah also need the drying brook besides to prepare for the miracle? When the methodology of the natural fails, that is what is war intention now. To go look, like we said, go look for another brook. Don't wait. You don't even see him dying. You're gone. But there's another one where you now turn to God to not know him with what? The appetite of the flesh. See, many people are compromised. And the, the prophet himself had to feel Israel. I'm the sustainer. But Israel has become like a brook. They're there to use me for their own appetites. I don't think I've been... In many churches where being as part of the staff, I did not see a plethora of people in the church who are there for the benefit of self, not for the call of ministry. A certain level of death to bring a person to sainthood for many, many centuries and and, and millennia were needed for someone to step into a call. It is something that is foreign in today's church. We don't even use the word saint anymore. We don't even talk about levels of sanctification anymore. We've created our own time and plan but it is during the dry brook that you'll hear the words of the Lord. John 7, 37, 38. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to drink. The Lord was training the prophet but he was also showing him, this is how I feel, because this is how Israel is using it. 
and now they're focusing on the water. They want to accentuate the natural, so they're worshiping whom? Baal, but you brought a word for Baal to dry up? I hope you understand now why the woman Jezebel will be riding the dragon. Why well, I ask you, don't name your child Judas, Iscariot, Judah, or Isabel, or Jezebel. Those two names, I encourage you, don't name your kids. Because here it unleashes within the system the demonic power that will be the ultimate stand against the kingdom of God at the end of age. And the prophet had to deal with a matter of life and death. And he will now know that Jezebel will be after him the way death was starving, death was thirsting him to death. Very interesting how the Lord will continue to, to, to use this. When Israel is a harlotry, he tells Hosea, go marry a prostitute so he has to experience on his own flesh when he's shaming him go sit on one side naked on the street and eat dung this is God asking one of his servants to do well God only wants what's best for me That's what happens when you're in a place when so much prosperity goes. People begin to have a skewed view of God. And God is bringing back Elijah out of this prosperity and wealth where the silver wasn't even important to show him what? I am not an optimist. I am not a pessimist. 